joined by Eitan Basseri, a product manager on Microsoft's identity security team. Eitan not only has experience in the cybersecurity industry, but he's a frequent mentor to others in career development. So we're thrilled to have him. Eitan, how are you today? Hi, Gene. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And uh, congratulations to Microsoft. You guys have absolutely been lighting on the world of uh, security over the last you know, six, seven years. And uh, I know quite a few people over there, Ann Johnson and uh, others. So uh, congratulations on all your guys' success. I appreciate that. I think the company has really seen the inextricability between security and productivity over the years and that you can't have a good productive public cloud without real security. And people I'm privileged to get to work with are super committed to the mission there. And so it's been great to be part of a company that has that culture. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in the spirit of uh, the podcast, you know, we're talking to, I think, one of our first product managers. So, uh, you know, maybe as we go through, we can talk a little about what a product manager does. And uh, obviously, uh, for those looking for a job, you know, you can't start with a better gold star company than Microsoft. So state the obvious, uh, put your resumes in. It's a fantastic company. So uh, for our listeners uh, looking to get into cybersecurity, can you tell us a little bit about you know the identity side of the security business? Yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny is a lot of times when I'm explaining my world to like my parents, like the thing I I'd say is, well, you know that how you have to log into everything, and you know how sometimes it asks you to confirm who you are and or wants to send you like a code. Everybody understands multi-factor authentication, right? right. So everyone understands, you know, sign up, sign in and, and MFA. So that's usually where I start, right? And so the concept, I, I don't usually use the term strong auth, but yeah, that is basically, <laughs> you know, a big part of it. Right. Uh, and then things that that emanate from, you know, what we're used to the the uh, phone MFA, right? SMS, right? Which we know now is not the ideal, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I'll me- maybe go on to tell them about biometrics and FIDO and, you know, how you get to like, use your face to sign in or use your fingerprint design and they're like yeah i like that right people like like that sort of those sort of topics well in the enterprise space like we start to look at things like defaults right like how do we so in the consumer space we get to put a lot of stuff on by default right because like microsoft we're managing consumer accounts right whether it's hotmail outlook minecraft xbox live all those consumer properties we're responsible for securing the identities there and then of course you have like areas like detection and response. So that's kind of my bread and butter is identity threat detection and response. And we look for things like like a password spray attack, anonymous browsing, you know, impossible travel, you know, sign in, Gene, you sign in, you know, at nine o'clock from Boston. And then uh, 15 minutes later, you're signing in from Beijing. It's like, well, that's not really possible. Yeah, that, uh, right. And it's up to our team to be able to detect that and challenge it and say, hey, uh, was this you? All right, we want to make sure that that was really you. So things yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I... I I always say the neat thing is you can explain what your product is in the context of a consumer. I don't have that luxury when my mom asked me what I do and even uh, my wife, you know, I think that it's easier to explain I'm a drug dealer. I seem to get paid very well. I spend a lot of time on the phone. I travel a lot, uh, you know, but uh, right. this cybersecurity thing is a little obtuse at times, but, uh, and you also get to work for a brand that my mom knows. I, I've only had that pleasure one time I was acquired by IBM. So I worked for IBM for them. My mom's like, Hey, I know that company. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it definitely helps. But but I I definitely I had a funny experience where when I decided we'll talk about career in a minute. Yeah. When I decided to join the tech industry, right? My mother-in-law said, "Okay." She took a deep breath. She goes, "Okay, but can I still say that you're a lawyer when I'm yes. talking to people?" Yes. Well, that's actually <laughs> because I was a lawyer, answer, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. you were a lawyer, and you decided to make a mid-career change. 
to get into tech and to become a product manager at Microsoft? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, well, it's, it's and how to convince uh, your family that that was a good a good transition, right? Right. Well, so that's the funny thing is like I grew up in a well. First of all, you know, by my I come from a, an immigrant family. My mom is American, but my dad is from Iran, and I think mm. there's definitely like a strong cultural tendency to go for professional degrees, professional right. careers that are very like sure. well defined, right? And so I, you know, didn't have the math and science background to do the medicine or engineering degrees. And so therefore, like lawyer was pretty much <laughs> accounting was out. So I right. like, joke, like, you know, lawyering was the thing. But I've always I always enjoyed the rhetoric aspects, the anal analytical aspects of law and all those sorts sure. of things. And so so I definitely was drawn to it. But after a couple of years of practicing it, I got kind of I just kind of the novelty of it. Like it was really yeah. interesting. A lot of things are interesting when you start. And then right. after a few years, you're kind of like, well, you know, is that I'm ready for a trade? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that what you want and to spend I, the next 30 years of your life. Right. And it was no, not because of shortage of opportunity. There were a lot of interesting things in the law that, that I enjoyed. Uh, you know, it wasn't all the same thing, right? There was plenty of variety, but I had a really good mentor. And we're going to talk about mentors. I had a really good yep. mentor. Shout out to Gary. Who, <laughs> who hey, Gary. Actually, Way to go. Yeah. And he was an executive <laughs> coach. And he worked with a lot of people at Amazon and in the startup industry. And he was like, hey, Tan, you could be using your skills in the tech industry. I was like, really? Mm. He's like, yeah. So he started getting me introduced to people. I ended up with a startup that at the time was called Chef. Uh, it's called Opscode that had a product called Chef, and they did a lot of cloud automation and things like that. You may have heard yeah. of them. So I got in with there and then, you know, kind of, you know, talked my way into a consulting firm, really turned out to be a great fit. I ended up joining this company, Revel Consulting, that did uh, management consulting, primarily like PM, product project management and program management type opportunities. Right. And that's what got me into Microsoft because they had a, a lot of work at Microsoft. And so learning the tech industry, you know, on the job and also... We had this practice. So are you familiar with human-centered design or this concept of like design thinking, oh, rapid prototyping, yeah. that kind of stuff? It, it sounds, no, like short answer, no. It's a really interesting practice. It, I think it kind of got popular, maybe like, I don't know, I'm going to get the year wrong. I think 2008, 2009 was when it started to be created. And then it really started to take uh, root in like 2014 was when we got like really into it. And Stanford's design school, the D school, they basically open sourced all this content. And they said, all right, the world, like, if you'd like to take this approach to design, and by the way, we're all designers in some way, we all have, this is, the, this is like the premise of this idea right. is like, we're all designing for somebody, right? Even if we're not doing a UX design, even if we're not doing a formal product, we're all designing for people and knowing how to do that, whether it's your client that you're working with, whether it's a customer you'll never meet, right? Uh, we're all designing. And so being able to take a very like human centered, empathy driven approach to design, along with rapid prototyping was like a, a really cool like tool in the toolkit to take that anywhere to any type of, type sure. of job. Yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast with Scott Belsky, who's head of product at Adobe. And he was saying a prototype is worth a thousand meetings. Right. <laughs> and, exactly. and it's like, yeah, of course, of course. Right. Seeing something that's even if it's just a sketch or a mock-up or whatever, like it's still right. way better than like us just talking through this over and over and over again. Oh. And so that design thinking, coincidentally, that design thinking approach of rapid prototyping gets you there. It gets you to that that fairly quickly. So that was really cool. And then I was able to, I made a, a lot of really good professional network at Microsoft with the different clients I was working with. And one of them had an opportunity in the identity division. And I came over and ended up coming on full-time. And shout out to Frank, because honestly, the mentors and the people in your network who you get yeah. to know they can, they can, and we're going to talk about this in like, we talk about like mid-career transitions. Right. Your network is so, such a powerful way to open up opportunity for you. If you're willing to engage your network, if you're willing to let people know what you want. 
right uh, and they can help you right and I, so that's how kind of how i got here yeah i i always that's a fantastic journey so any lawyers thinking about getting into cybersecurity, there's a path right it's, yeah, it's absolutely yeah, there's definitely a path and there's lots of different roles right you're we always talk especially for the people that are just getting into the field when they think about cybersecurity, they think about you know guys in hoodies and closets you know doing pen testing and things like that but the the number of jobs and roles is just expansive and the types of careers and backgrounds is really you know very diverse so i think that's an awesome journey that you were able to share with us so so in our prep for this episode you told us strongly about you know your importance of building you know a personal brand so you know, can you share a little on your thoughts around this yeah and i think this goes to the networking piece that i was just talking about they kind of are cousins to each other it's like yeah. to me it's like what do i want to be known for by my colleagues and the greater community right by the way cybersecurity, like think about like mission-driven work it's like that's what do i want to leave for my kids what's the legacy like right yeah your dad helped make the world a safer place through, exactly through digital security it's like what greater there are many great callings, but that's a great calling for me. Like when I finally wrapped my head around this cybersecurity stuff, I was like, wow, this is this is a big deal. And it's very meaningful. And similarly, what once I am known for something, what opportunities would I like to fall into my lap? If I had a magic wand, what are the sort of things I'd like people to come to me for? And so as we think about personal brand, it's what do you give and what do you hope to get, I think, out of it? And so I think that, yeah, like that personal brand does help people know either to call you with opportunities, how to help your career, how to, sometimes it's something as basic as, you know, someone forwarding you a conference and saying, hey, I think you'd enjoy this, this event, right? It, it could be the smallest thing or, or for me, like some big things or people, you know, helping me get a job. And I think there's like four key aspects to building a brand. To me, there's the sort of where you're at today. So your achievements, your professional journey, whatever highlights and milestones you want to call out with people when you're talking to them. By the way, you're the editor for this. So a short story, I had a, a law job where I, my last job in the legal profession where I was actually fired from it. That and happened. I was, happened and I, this was, times. It I was right on. Yeah. And I was not thriving in the role. I was dealing with a personal illness at the time and mm -hmm. just couldn't, it was just terrible. So I was talking to one of my mentors after this happened. I said to him, uh, oh man, like, how am I going to explain this? Like, you know, six, uh, this, this, oh, I only spent six months at this firm and, and uh, my next job interview. And he goes, you don't have to. And I was like, he's like, <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, no, you can just leave that off. And I was like, wow. And it really was like this breakthrough moment where I, I understood that I get to tell my story professionally. I get to frame it. And of course, I'm not lying. I'm, you know, it's no. not like about being disingenuous with people. Yeah. But like, I was, he's like, you were there for six months, whatever. That's nothing. And I think there's, for each person, I think you get to craft the story of your career, where you're at. And that takes us into the next piece, which is what skills do you bring, right? So you've done a bunch of stuff. What are sort of, and some people like to use the term superpowers, if you're into that, cool, uh, <laughs> if you think that's corny, you know, whatever. But the idea of saying like, there are things that set each of us apart, right? Especially once you've been in the game for a little while, professionally, you have a general sense. And if you don't, you can check out StrengthsFinder or whatever book right. you want. Like yeah. you have a skill set that is special and you have certain skills that are special and, and will set you apart. And I think that that uh, is a really important thing to be able to highlight when you're networking and looking to make a transition. Another kind of a third one is, is would be an aspect of principles. Like, what are your guiding principles? Like, are you mission driven? Are you, like, what mission are you? Like, it's like for me, like, yeah, cybersecurity is like a really great mission. And like, that's one of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning, but it doesn't have to be just that. It could be like your collaborative spirit. It could be your 
sense of customer focused, being customer obsessed, right? There are some people like I saw a buddy last night who's in technical sales and like that's a role in cybersecurity just the way it is in any other tech company or, or business unit, right? Like you were saying before, like there's this concept of like hackers, uh, hooded hackers like <laughs> in a dark room, like, yeah, like, I mean, there are people who are pen testers, but like, there's also an entirely normal business ecosystem of the security industry exactly. that has sales, marketing, business planning, yeah, like exactly. all of those things, right? Yes. Customer success, all of those sorts of things. So the principles I think are important. And, and I've seen, I would just say, for people listening to this who have been in customer facing roles and who are good at that, that is a superpower because not everybody can do that. Okay. I work with plenty of engineers, data scientists, whatever, like they don't have the same people's skills all the time. Some of them do, but having really good client relations skills is something that can set you apart. Absolutely. And it's not a technical skill, right? It's a soft right. skill. No. And finally, the final piece of this personal brand thing is helping to project your future. Right. Where do you see yourself growing? It doesn't mean that you've got a five-year plan. Who can plan five years ahead? Right. Anymore, right? <laughs> but I think it does mean you have a general vision of the types of things that you're looking for, even if it's just the next click stop. Like I always take in the, one of the reasons I've had such a circuitous career is because I don't plan out five years ahead. I just say like, what are the next, what can the next two years look like? Right. right? Like yeah. I can't predict what's going to happen, but I'd like to see how this next thing goes. And for somebody looking to make a switch, you just need to be able to see that far down the road to be able to say, you know, what are the sorts of opportunities? And you want to write that out because you want, if I'm talking to somebody like Gene and Gene knows a lot of people, I want to be able to help me help you, right? It's Jerry Maguire, right? right. Help me help you. Yeah. <laughs> and if I know, if Gene knows how I want to grow, the type of opportunities I'm looking for, the type of people I'm looking to meet, et cetera, then you can help me. Right? And yeah. if I don't know, and you're my mentor, then maybe you'll help me figure it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think about that, that whole idea of the personal brand and what you want to represent as a, as a piece of helping people to exactly make the introductions. I, a lot of times people say, Hey, I'd like to get into cybersecurity. I say, great, send me two paragraphs, not a long two paragraphs on what you want to do. But if you can't describe that, well, don't expect me to be able to describe it to the people I want to introduce you. So if you want to become a product manager in a medium-sized cybersecurity company, that's helpful because I know 15 of those in right. New England, in New York, or California. If you want to go work for a PM position in Microsoft, okay, well, I know Aton, right? I can introduce you to that. But if you say, hey, I just want to get into cybersecurity, well, you know, there's hundreds of different types of roles. So yeah, I think that's great. And I think the other thing underlying it, which you've hit on a couple of times, I just wanted to put an accent on it. When asking or seeking also think about the give back aspect of it. What can I do to help this person? And it's not to help this person necessarily always help me, but it's not right. what can I do to help this person? Even if it's ask for a favor and at the end say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? You know, just right. offer it up because maybe it's, they can't, but hey, they appreciate at least the offer. But I think if you start with, uh, it's the I always call it the Ben Franklin principle. You know, he always looked to help others with the idea he knew in the end, everybody would help him, but that wasn't right. the intent of it, right? It was, hey, let me connect these five people. Let me help this, let me set up this. Let me, and you know, all the boomerang effect of that piece of it. So I, I know that was underlying a big piece of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly, there you go. So <laughs> I have to share that I, because you brought up Brent Franklin, he's one of my people I, I admire and I have a small brass bust of him as a- uh, that's right. Eight times in, in my office. The, the brass bust of uh, Ben Franklin. So we're both big fans and uh, absolutely. So totally agree. It's the, uh, we're both believers. And if you want to you know, read some great uh, 
you want to talk about networking, the ability to build a network and uh, change the world via network. He's uh, one of the most special people on that one. So awesome. And if we think about like one of the defining characteristics of Ben Franklin, I think it was his curiosity. I mean, he did, he was a a Renaissance man, right? I mean, there's not one defining aspect, but (laughs) his curiosity and his sense of discovery and innovation and all these things, those, that aspect of his life that he's known for is the same attribute that we're talking about with a person who is trying to seek out new opportunities. Yes. It's exercising curiosity. And how do you yeah. do that? Part of it's through conversations, part of it's through, frankly, through YouTube and books yeah. and articles and blogs right. and podcasts like this We've to access. discover, yeah. right? So in, channel your inner Ben Franklin uh, inventor exactly. uh, curi- well curiosity. Said, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Microsoft has a program called MSSA designed to help transition uh, veterans and Uh, We talk a lot about this on our show. We've had a lot of veterans in uh, cybersecurity, and we continuously encourage our vets to get into this field because we see a lot of similarities. So what's Microsoft doing with the MSSA program? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the the opportunity to speak about this. So it's a program that's essentially like a tech boot camp, really, for vets who are transitioning out of the military. And so it's a full-time program. It's about 17 weeks long. It is technical and it's really based on careers for cloud administration, cloud development, cybersecurity, and includes combinations of live instruction with hands-on labs and mentoring like ongoing throughout the entire program. And so there's like certification opportunities, there's interview prep. And over the years, the program has actually grown to now it has over 1000 hiring partners. Wow. And, um, And so it's really been so it's not just like Microsoft training people to come work at Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. It's really Microsoft trying to do its part to ensure that people who have served our country are getting a good opportunity coming out of the military. Yeah. And so I've been involved as a mentor for a few years, and it's just been a great way to meet people. I've referred people within my own team, and I just think it's great. One of the interesting things I've found that was surprising to me was the cultural difference of a lot of people's experiences in the military versus the private sector. And I think it's good for people who are interested in getting involved as allies or people who are gonna support veterans to know at least some of the things that I've observed, which is that like, there's kind of this hustle in the private sector that doesn't always exist in the military. Like sometimes people are like waiting for permission, like the veterans who I've worked with are like waiting for permission to like reach out, make an introduction, follow up, apply to a job. Like they're used to, just like getting the okay to do something before mm-hmm. doing it. And we're like in the private sector, at least in our country, like you got to get out there and you got to like make it happen for yourself. It's like, sync- it's more of a, sync- right. And like, so like they'd say like, oh, I, I'd say like, oh, I thought you were going to like do this. They're like, oh, I didn't want to bug you. And it's like, no, 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 you <laughs> bug me. Like <laughs> do it. Don't be shy. And it's out of respect. I mean, they're trying to be res- respectful or deferential, but just people understand that. Like if you get to know a veteran, like, you know, explore that with them and understand where they're at. Not everybody's going to feel that way. Right. But like, I've worked with officers who like, I like an army ranger uh, I was working with who was an officer and like, he had no lack of initiative. Okay. (laughs) But people who are maybe enlisted, maybe don't. So I shouldn't generalize, but know that these these tendencies might be there. And if you really want to help, understand that you can help people overcome some of that. Absolutely. And would they just Google MSSA, Microsoft MSSA? We can it's military.microsoft.com slash MSSA. Okay, 
great. So uh, for those, if there's uh, any show notes, so we can uh, put it. In yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes, and uh, that's a fantastic program. So thank you, Microsoft. Thank you for being a mentor in that program. So last question, you know, what's a specific advice that you could give people that are mid-career and and wanting to get into cybersecurity? Well, you know, okay, so I'm going to talk about Scott Belsky again because I've been listening to him a lot lately. He says the most common decision we make is holding off on making a decision. Mm. And I've seen there's kind of two, if I oversimplify, there's two kind of directions people can go when they're exploring a, a big transition. They can dabble or they can jump in with two feet. And cybersecurity is a community and it is a real community that if you jump in with both feet, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to meet a lot of great people and you're going to make yourself ready for that transition more quickly. And I so I, I would just tell people to jump in. I would take a bias to action and say, get involved. And so for some people, like that could be doing some self-directed learning. So there's sites like Cybrary, Pluralsight. If you want to do like a uh, in-person thing, there's SANS training, which is out there. Of course, ISC Squared has a lot of good training as well. The books, the blogs, the podcasts, the, the newsletters, right? I mean, Gene, right. like this is a, again, this is a great one, but I'm sure there's a, I'm sure you have a, a list of, of we have Threat X Academy now that's got 140 hours of finely curated, uh, you know, cybersecurity training. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's yeah. uh, very little to do with actually Threat X, but it's our give back to the community as well. So we're, you know, love that. Your point. Lots of no, it, no shortage if you're going to jump in with two feet to do some simple. Uh, so uh, do some searches and uh, quickly find lots of places to learn about cybersecurity. So great point. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of folks will have people in their network already that they can kind of buddy up with and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get into this thing. Can you? But if you don't, I mean, there are there's social media group like I'm part of uh, on Reddit. I'm part of some cybersecurity groups that are, are really like a supportive group of people. And I'm sure there's there's, you know, of course, LinkedIn has this sort of community as well. And then events. So I think like getting involved with hackathons, getting involved with Capture the Flag getting involved with like planning sessions for conferences. And if you feel like you don't have the depth of expertise to get involved in that right now in that sort of stuff, maybe just becoming a moderator, like for a panel, right? Like facilitating a conversation, right? Or hosting a conversation in your team, right? Just being an, an event organizer is, is a great thing to do. There's also the aspect of being a, a privacy or security champ in your team. So like if you're a lawyer and you know, like, you know GDPR, you know, you could become the privacy champ in your organization, right? Or with maybe with your client's organization to sort of get in that way. Like that was one of my ends was like, I knew a lot about managing risk as a lawyer. And so one of my first projects as a consultant was doing risk management, right? And then I, then when it was been GDPR became a thing, I became one of the subject matter experts on GDPR because I, I wasn't intimidated by reading a, a very long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> legal document. And the final thing I would say, Gene, is uh, the aspect of getting involved in projects, like real, like like so the the privacy thing would be a project, but like even like for PM, like as a product manager, like people who want to get into pro uh, product management should just get involved in a project in some way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways, but like you might be, you know, if let's say it's an app that's used in your company, like maybe you you use that app and you want to be like an early tester or you want to be a contributor to the next feature that's going to be built but you're not in that role. It's like, maybe I'm in a sales role, but I want to get into this, mm. figure out what you can bring to the table, go and talk to that product manager or the team that, that manages that app and see how you can get involved. Because I, I can almost guarantee you they're going to welcome you, welcome the extra hands on deck. Absolutely. Right. That yeah. makes total sense. So thank you, Aton, for joining us today. Uh, you gave a lot of great advice and thank you, Microsoft, uh, for just being a key player in the, the field of cybersecurity. You're making the world a safer place. And, uh, 
for those that are veterans, uh, check out the MSSA program. I think it sounds like a fantastic way to get some training and, and they have access to a thousand plus companies to help our veterans find jobs. So fantastic. And, uh, as a reminder to our listeners that are looking to get and gain cybersecurity skills, uh, you can get a one-year free access to ThreatX Academy by going to academy.threatx.com, signing up and using the promo code podcast. Again, academythreatx.com to check it out and uh, take some of Aton's advice and jump in both feet and get exposed to the great world of cybersecurity and the the massive opportunities out there. So thank you again, Aton, for the time. We greatly appreciate it and have an awesome day and a great weekend. Thanks, Jim.